three, and and I want to I want to just simply say this: I, I, my purpose is never to offend anybody. My purpose is never to uh, try to tell somebody to how to live their life in such a way. If they if they um, I'm not trying to tell you how to vote or anything else like that, as far as that goes. For me, I don't vote parties. I vote. Uh, when I get ready to vote, I vote on uh, what I believe that people believe, and if I believe a man uh, does not believe the things that this word says, I can't vote for him. I'm just this how I feel. But, uh, but let me just say this to you. I know there's a lot of people out there that say, "Well, we you shouldn't mix uh, religion with politics," and I'm just going to say this to you. Here's what I'm going to say. I read sermons back in the 1800s and 1900s. When I read those sermons, here's what I read. I read men of God that stood up against the very things that the country, when things didn't, weren't happening in the country the way they should, that they stood up against it. So uh, I'm just simply saying uh, that I, I want to be that kind of man. I want to be that person, not to do it on purpose, but to do it as the Lord leads. And that's the thing. What the messages I try to preach here are messages simply that, that what the Lord lays on my heart or shows me. Uh, you know, and I really hadn't planned on doing this one, but by the same token, uh, this is what God's laid on my heart, and I saw it, and so this is what we're going to do. So go over to Revelation chapter 3, and this is the church at Philadelphia, and I want you to uh, uh, read this with me with verse 7 or follow along with me. You can follow up on the screen. I hope you bring your Bible uh, it, because it, it just makes you can underline things and do it a whole lot better than if, if you, I, I know people do it on their telephone and all that kind of stuff, and that's okay. You can do that. You know, I can't do that because I have enough trouble just answering calls, let alone trying to do all this other stuff. Let's, let's start with verse 7. Listen to what it says. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write this. These things say, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the keys of David, he who opens and one shuts and shuts the other opens, that's Jesus. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. I Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie, indeed, I will make them come, listen to this, and worship before your feet, and listen to this last phrase, and to know that I have loved you. When we stand for God, God's going to let other people know that He loves us. Amen? Because you have kept my command to persevere, also will keep you from the hour of trial, and shall come upon the whole uh, world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God in New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven, and from my God, and I will write on him in my new name. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Well, Father, I, I pray that uh, I would just be a, a person that you can just speak through today. I pray, Father, simply that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in thy sight. You're our strength. You're our redemption. You're everything, Father. We can't do this without you. Lord, I pray that you'd be with me. Help me to speak those things that you want spoken. And, Father, may the Holy Spirit guide and direct all things. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. And for his sake, amen. You know, when I talk about those preachers in the 1800s and 1900s, the one difference in all this is this. They looked to see prophecies that were going to take place. You and I here sit here today, and we're seeing prophecies. 
I mean, we're living in that time when prophecies right now are being fulfilled. I got to say that in my lifetime, I have never seen a time of such discouragement and a time of such confusion in this, in this world that we're living in. We're living out Isaiah 5.20 that says this, Woe to those who call evil good, or, and good evil, or who put darkness for light, and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Just this past week, Mattel, who was a toy maker in the United States for years, and uh, I remember growing up with Mattel toys and things like that, that Mattel just announced that they're coming out with a non-gender doll. James Dobson is talking about in California, they're going into public schools deliberately telling eight-year-olds that they can pick whether they are, want to be a boy or a girl, and then if they are not happy, they can change back. And also there are drugs or medicines that can help that process along, is what they say. One Democratic presidential candidate stated in one of the last debates that if he becomes president, that every church has to welcome homosexuals as members of their church or lose their tax-free status. Let me just say this, I'll work for free. Uh, Another quoted Micah 6.8 from the Old Testament is to say, say, uh, say this. says that we are to accept homosexuality. He said, uh, quoted Micah 6.8, which uh, Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. He quoted that, and then he went on to say that we are to accept homosexual behavior as part of the church. And, and let me just say this to you. This verse has nothing whatsoever to do with homosexual behavior. And we want to say, Lord, where are you in all this? We feel like, uh, you know, we almost feel like the Apostle John when God showed him all the things were fixed to happen in the tribulation time and he pulls back the curtain and John looks and he looks into heaven and he sees things and when he does, all he can say is simply this, come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's how we feel today. I've never heard so many people say, look at me and say, boy, I believe the Lord is coming. I mean, everywhere you go, you hear this very same thing, that the Lord is coming. And so, you know, so what do we do in, in 2019? I believe that the answer can be found in Revelation 3 and the Lord's message to the church at Philadelphia. In Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus writes through the Apostle John to seven churches in Asia, or, or seven literal churches in Asia, or Asia Minor, and the message is, is to teach each church can be applied to every church today. We can read those seven, church, those seven messages that Jesus spoke to John through to them. And we can, we can apply that today. And, 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 and so finally those churches are, can be applied to us today. They were literal churches. But let me tell you something else. There's a timeline here. And you can look at these seven churches from the first, which is Ephesus. And you go all the way through to Laodicea and you see a timeline in history. The first being Ephesus, which represents the early church, where Jesus in Revelation 2 verse 1 says this. He says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says, He who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven ghost lampstands. Look what it says. Here's what it says. It says that Jesus is where? He's walking in the midst. The lampstands represent the churches because that we're to be a light on a hill. And so as a result of that, he's saying that we ought to, that, that what should happen here is Jesus is walking in the midst of those churches. But then we go to the final church in Laodicea. That's the church who said it was rich, increased with good, and had need of nothing. 
And where's Jesus? Well, Revelation 3 tells us, tells us exactly where Jesus is. Where it says this, Behold, I stand at the door, and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice, will open the door. I will come in unto him and sup with him and he with me. Where's Jesus? He's no longer among the seven golden lampstands. No, he's now where? Outside the church. Asking for permission to come in. Asking that he would come in and have the service. Asking that he would help them. Asking that they would preach his word. That's what he's asking for. But Jesus' message to the church of Philadelphia is also the message I believe that's today. He told them three things. Here's what he told them. Number one, Revelation 3, 9. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. What's the first thing he says? He said he would take care of the enemies of of the church and God will very soon take care of those that oppose the gospel and notice that last phrase to know that I have loved you the second thing is found in Revelation 3.10 because you have kept my command to persevere I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth and, and he, would, he would keep them from that hour of tribulation to me this is the great message to the church today what's that saying Jesus is going to keep us out of the most terrible time that this world has ever seen this is the great tribulation the seven years that are yet to come because we're going to be raptured out of here that's the first part. And if you'll notice this verse, he says, I will keep you from that hour and the escape hatch that is the rapture of the church. And then finally, the third thing is in verse 12 because verse 12 says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go out into more and I will write on him the name of my God and my name in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down to heaven from my God. And I will write my, him a, a new name. Listen to what it says, that he would honor them because they stood and were faithful. That's what God's calling us to He's calling you and I to be faithful. He's calling you and I to be faithful and to honor Him in every way. To honor Him in our homes. To honor Him on our job. And when somebody speaks against Him or makes a, 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 a lewd remark or something, to speak up. To honor Him. To be faithful. So this morning, though, I want to focus on one verse, and that's verse 10. Also verse 8. Verse 10 tells us, because you've kept my commands to persevere. We're looking at what to do until the Lord comes. In verse 11, he says this, I'm coming, so hold fast to what you have. Verse 8, we are to keep his word. You see, the Bible tells us that we're not to walk by, that we're to walk by faith, but we are to live by every word. We're not to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We are to stand on His word. There's so many conflicts today. There's so many decisions to be made. There's so many things that people are talking about. Yet God simplifies all that, and all we've got to do is study His word and just simply say, what does the word of God say in this situation? And you know there are going to be people that will disagree with that. There are going to be people that look at you and say, well, I don't, I don't believe it. When, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, no man come to the Father except by me. And they say, I just can't believe that you believe that, that there's only one way to go to heaven, and that's through Jesus. And I just got to look at them and say, listen, man, I love you. I care about you. I want, I want good things to happen in your life. But let me just say this to you. I'm a Christian. And as a Christian, I follow Jesus Christ. That means I stand on his word. This is what he said. I'm sorry, but i got to go with his word. That's how we're to live today. 
And I know you're going to make people mad. I know there's going to be people that are not going to accept what you're trying to say. But we're to keep his word. In, in verse 8 also, we're not to deny his name or we're just simply to stand in this day and time that we live. So he says, because you've kept my commandments to persevere, I'll keep you from that hour of temptation. I don't know about you, but I've always had a sense of pride that I was an American. My dad served in World War II, was wounded over in the Pacific. All my uncles, all, uh, it was except one, served in, served in um, uh, World War II. We were on vacation, and we here just a few weeks ago, Cricket and I, and we went to Williamsburg, one of the first colonies. We also went to Yorktown and Jamestown, one of the, absolutely the first settlement. And when you see what those people endured, that you and I could be free and free to worship, it's unbelievable, and it makes you so thankful for what's happened. In the last few years, and including 2019, I've been heartbroken over this country. I really have. When's the last time that we had a day on which we really, uh, really celebrated who we were as Americans? I'm not just talking about Fourth of July. I'm talking about a sense of nationalism that just came through this country, and we just really felt good. I really believe the reason we haven't is because they were doing one thing. We're, most of our, our politicians and different ones are globalist. What does that mean? They don't want America to be something. They want the whole world now to come in. Why is that? They don't even understand this because we're heading towards a one-world government, a one-world uh, currency, and a one-world religion. That's why we're heading towards that. When I read a recent poll taken in America that many Americans are in a state of depression because of the events taking place in Washington and Frankfurt and these places, I, guess, I, I just got to tell you, I rarely watch the news anymore. I really rarely do. The main reason I don't is because I believe that people's word and the truth don't mean anything anymore. One of the, the leading politicians who had uh, spread an absolute lie about an opponent in this uh, election before, uh, when confronted that it was a lie, his response of justification was this. He said this, he didn't win, did he? He didn't win, did he? Paul wrote to us as what to, to put before us. He said, Philippians 4.8, he said, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, if you want to overcome depression, he said, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, and meditate on these things. We're to look at those things. We're to think about those things. But if you're not looking to the Lord, you're going to have a hard time finding those things that give you peace in your life. We live in a time when people don't keep their word. They tell someone they're going to do something and they don't ever show or even, even call. And, and the Bible tells us over in Matthew 12, 36, and here's what it says, But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it on that day of judgment. And so I'm just simply saying lying has become an art. I know that there are good-meaning people. For instance, in public schools, I know that Christian people, I believe that I work with many of them. And I believe that they're heartbroken in some ways. But political correctness and atheism is now, and Eastern spiritualism has moved into our schools. And so help me, our kids are hearing this eight hours a day, five days a week, rather than, and they come in here and we expect them to be Christian. We expect them to listen to what we got to say in an hour's time. It ain't going to happen. This is not going to happen. This is where we are today. David Jeremiah quoted a recent survey asking, uh, asking what religion you were, and 36% and of young millennials reported that they were now atheists. That's the highest it's ever been. 
Most ever, lunatic proposals like becoming socialist. Have you seen Venezuela lately? Uh, proposals to, to do away with the electoral college. No understanding of what our forefathers are trying, were trying to do. Abortion. And the worst part of all is this is where the church, and where the question really begs itself is this. Where is the church today? Where is it that the church stands up in these things and has a voice? Men who stand behind pulpits Sunday after Sunday who deny the truth of the Word of God. I heard Alistair Begg tell about a church who has replaced the pulpit and the preacher and sermons with an artist who paints a picture while soothing music is played. Churches who don't, not only don't teach the Word of God, but celebrate ordaining men and women who are living contrary to the Scriptures. You think God can bless us or bless those people in those things? You know, it should drive us to our knees. But let's be honest. It doesn't. It doesn't. People treat church as if they don't really need it. If they don't really need it. You know, I, I, I thought not long ago, you know, someone was talking about, you know, boy, if we had a night and we all got to visit and, and uh, got, got here and, and we all went out and we visited and go knock on doors and things. And, and I would be in favor of that. I'm not, I, you know, but, but you know, there's two reasons that people come to church. One reason they come to church is because they know somebody. And the second reason, because their family goes there. That's the main reasons that people come to church. So we could do a night in which we, okay, and so I would ask you this question. What has God put in your path? In other words, here I, here I go right here. If I, if, if I have a, if we all get together and we go out, how many people could we really reach? But let's suppose that everybody in here des, decides that they have a path of God. Every person in here has a path. Now let me ask you something. If we all had realized that we all had a path, then who is God putting in our path day after day? How many people could we reach if we as an entire church decided that every day we're going to talk to people about the Lord? See, it's not another night. It's not an inconvenience. You're just, God just puts people in your path day by day. And he asks you to simply say to them, do you know the Lord? Do you love the Lord? The Lord loves you, cares for you. I'm going through something. I don't know what to do. Well, okay, let me tell you what I do in the Lord. That's all I'm saying. What could we do if we as a church decided that's what we were going to do? What is it going to take, guys? What's it going to take? Are we going to have to lose every freedom we got? Look what's happening over in China in those places. We, I, I told our Sunday school class this morning, I probably got 100 Bibles in my, in my house right now. And I, and I can't get that picture out of my mind of those young, those young Chinese teenagers picking those Bibles up out of that box for the first time they all had a Bible and they took that Bible and they kissed it and held it to their, to their heart. Why don't we feel that way? Have we grown so cold? How, are we like Laodicea that we, we're so rich? Because we are. We're the richest country there is around. We're, 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 we, we don't lack for anything. We have the best uh, standard of living of any place. Are we so rich and increased with goods that we think we have no need of nothing? And you know what that means? We don't really need you, Lord. We don't pray about things. We don't seek the Lord's face. Until something happens, and the bottom falls out, and then people are calling, Oh, Lee, I don't know what to do. 
Walk with the Lord for a while. Walk with Him, and He'll show you exactly what to do. Walk with Him in such a way until a place that you know and you learn how to hear His voice. Everybody is interested, I think, sometimes in, in prophecy. Everybody wants to know the sign of His coming. But listen to what Jesus said. He said that an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. But He said no sign is going to be given. Some people just want to know. It's, if you really believe that Jesus is coming, it ought to motivate you outside these walls. If you really believe that Jesus is coming, if he came to this afternoon at 5 o'clock, who would you call today? Who would you call? Are your children saved? Are your mother and daddy saved? Are there people that you work with for years? Are they saved? Who would you call? Who would you call if that's the case? Now even those who teach that the church is going to get better and better so the Lord can come back. But you know what the Bible tells us and what the condition of the church will be when the Lord comes back and the rapture of the believers is out of here? Listen what the Lord Jesus, before the Lord Jesus left, he, he asked a profound question in Luke 18, 8. And look what he said. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, listen what he says. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And the answer is No. Well, he'll find individual faith, but what he will not find, he won't find, he will not find a belief in the whole body of truth of Jesus Christ. He will not find it. Jesus taught us in Luke 17, verse 26 through 30. He says, As it was in the days of Noah, so will it also be in the days of the Son of Man. He goes on to 27. They ate and they drank. You ever saw so many places go eat? They married wives. Uh, well, that's, uh, you know, we're living in a time now where marriage has gone down because now we don't believe what the Word says. We just move in with one another. You realize that that's not right? Realize that the Bible says that's fornication? Realize that when a man has another man's wife, whatever, that's adultery. Do you realize those things that God says that is wrong? You can't live that way? And the reference is not to, you know, the reference here that people living their lives as if God didn't exist. If this is an example, when the Lord comes, we'll, be, we'll find faith on this earth. Then Noah, how many were saved? Only eight. He goes on in, in, in verse uh, Go on to verse 28 here, if you can. It says, Likewise also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built, in verse 29. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. In verse 30 says this, And even so will be the day of the Son of Man is revealed. What does it mean? Only four people walked out of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what? Here's the thing. Let me tell you something. We're living in the days... Right now, that Jesus said would characterize when he came back. And he's coming back, and when he comes back, he's coming back after a church that is worn out from standing. He's coming for a church. Yes, he's coming back out of a church for this spot without blemish, without anything on it. Yes, he's coming back after a perfect church. But let me tell you why, how we're without spot, without blemish, how we're perfect. It's because of the blood of Jesus and nothing else. He made us that way. 
But he's coming back, and when he comes back, he's coming out of the church that is literally worn out from standing. I listened to J.T. Farrar not long ago, and he said, The condition of the church at the time of the rapture, at the end, when Jesus comes, here's what he said. He said, This is the condition of the church today. It's right, guys. I know, I know we're discouraged. I know when I look at these people and I hear them lie and I hear them say all this stuff that's just absolute, just phony baloney type of stuff. I understand all that. But listen, Jesus said this would be the way it is when I get ready to come back. The condition of the church that Jesus said it would be the same condition of the church today. That means he's coming. But Lord, there's much pain and there's much suffering. Jesus, the Lord tells us, hang in there, I'm coming. The church, when the Lord comes, is the church that's hanging on with as little strength as they have. But Lord, look at what happened in Syria right now as we speak because that's Ezekiel 38, 39. The bears come down from the north. Russia's there. There's Iran there. Lord, there's Turkey getting involved there. All these countries are coming. All these 16 countries, they're getting ready to come at Israel. Yes, the Lord says, I know and I'm coming. But Lord Netanyahu is, is about to be put out of office. And he says, hang on, I'm coming. Lord, they're trying to impeach our president. Lord, I know I'm coming. Lord, there are preachers in the pulpit today who don't preach the word. I know I'm coming. Lord, it looks like the homosexual agenda is gaining every day. I know I'm coming. The condition of the church today is the condition of what we are told would be the condition of the church when he comes back, folks. Revelation 3, 8. He says, I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door. And look at this. No man can shut it, for you have little strength. You've kept my word and have not denied my name. You have not denied my name. You have little strength. And the implication here is that in this time of discouraging environment, there are those who did not keep his word who did not preach or teach my word, even those who deny my name, Jesus. My friend, how important it is that we learn to walk with him and we learn how to overcome the things of this world. People say, where's God? And the Lord says, I'm right here. Didn't I tell you because of the environment that you're seeing right now? Matthew 24, 12, he says, because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Let me ask you this question. How long has it been since you turned on your radio or something in the morning or TV and you did not see where somebody either got shot, robbed, or whatever else in the morning? What is it? It's lawlessness. And because it looks like we're Christian people that are not really walking with the Lord and not walking in the Spirit as a result of that, they look at all this, and they see all these people, they say, well, the world's going the other way. So, you know, so the next thing you know, they start, it's just like Lot, the Bible says, he pitched his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah. So we pitch our tent with the world, because the world doesn't really believe this stuff. Well, you know, that's old-fashioned stuff. No, no, that's not what it says. He said, because lawlessness will increase, and people start, it's going to, you know, the Bible even tells us that there are many that, that receive the word with joy, but when times of testing and tribulation come, they fall away. And why do they fall away? Because of the word's sake. Because you see, the word's going to ask you to do something that the world's going to say, well, that's crazy. If you stand on the word, I'm telling you, it's going to be trouble. And you will be persecuted. And so, 
he, he says, I know you have little strength. Didn't I tell you, he says, over in 2 Thessalonians 2.3, he says this, Let no one deceive you by any means, for the day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed the perdition. Now, I don't believe we're seeing the man of sin yet. That's a, that's the, that is the uh, Antichrist. But I'm going to tell you what, there's a falling away. There's a falling away like never before, and at least in this country. Now, you go to other places. You go like over to China, even though they're under... Per it's, it's, isn't it crazy that places that are being persecuted, the, the gospel is growing and growing and growing and growing? Man. But the good news is we see all this happening. And he tells us in Revelation 3.10, I'm going to keep you from that hour. I'm going to keep you from that hour. Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Luke 21, 28. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. N notice, where, where, where things begin to happen? When they begin to happen, look up. Revelation 22, 7. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. He says again in Revelation 22, 12. Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. NIV says, soon... And the Greek word for soon is quickly is the word tachok, and it means where we get our word tachometer from. And when you rev up an engine and you rev up those, those revelations, rev on, on the revelations of it, I'm coming at a time when things will be revving up. That's what he's saying. I don't know about you, but it looks like to me things are revving up. Are they? Look around the world. Syria, China. Verse 11 tells us, hold on to what you have. Notice that no, and, and, and look at verse 11. This is a great, great verse because it says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have. And look at this last phrase, that no one may take your crown. No one will take your crown. The Bible teaches that the bema seat of Jesus, when we, we all must stand in front of the, the bema seat of Jesus, it's not one of, of condemnation. The, our judgment is one of reward. The person who doesn't know Jesus, then he goes to the great white throne judgment. That's one of condemnation. We don't go to that judgment. We go to one that is a reward that the Lord, we hear the, words, the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the one he's wanting us to go to. You know, but listen to this. He tells us this. The Bible teaches that on a Bema seat, there's five different types of crown that will be given. One of those crowns is righteousness. And you know what that righteousness is? For those who love His appearing. 2 Timothy 4, 8. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also for all those who love His appearing. I've actually heard people look at me and say, well, I just don't know. I've talked to them about the Lord coming back, and they'll say, well, I just don't know what I want the Lord to come. i still got a lot of living to do. Not me. Not me. Well, I don't know whether, you know, well, Lee, I don't know. I don't really want the Lord to come. Boy, there's a lot of people, like a lot of people in my family, that are lost. Let me ask them, what are you doing about it? Have you ever gone to them and talked to them? I don't want to be in heaven without you. I want you to come. Have you ever done that? You know, 
We as Christians should always be looking up. The Bible says this in Hebrews 12 too. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising change, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Colossians 1.3, it says this. Uh, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brothers, to the saints and faithful brethren of Christ who are at Colossians, grace to you and peace from God our Father and, and, the, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Uh, and you know what I'm believing here? I'm not reading the right scripture. Uh, I don't know what I gave you. Uh, because, no, I don't think I did. I, here, yes, uh, yes, Colossians 3.1. If you then, here it is. Okay, thank you. You're reading my mind, that's dangerous. If, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. If you've been saved, then here's what he's saying. You ought to live your life, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, verse 2. Set your mind, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, verse 3. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God, in verse 4. Uh, did I give you verse 4? Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't give you verse 4. Okay, all right, 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This is exactly why the Lord is telling Noah to build the ark. Put a window in the top so that his uplook would always be his outlook. He couldn't look around and see all the things that were happening around him. I really believe that when we get discouraged, it's because we've gotten our eyes off Jesus. Listen, there's two types of ears, the Bible says. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 13, it says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The Spirit says to the church, that's the first type of ears. He has ears to hear, let him hear. But what's happening to the church today is prophesied that would happen when people or congregations set under preaching that does not expound the Word of God, then what they do, uh, do when life hits, what do they do when a child dies, what do they do when job layoff happens, what do they do when these things, if, I, if I'm not walking with the Lord, I need the Word of God functioning in my life every day. And 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and through 4 says this, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing at his judgment. Verse 2. Preach the word. Listen to what he's telling us to do. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Be looking for him. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. Verse 3. For the time will come. Oh, man. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Here's the other part of the type of ears. Because they have itching ears. There are people that don't have ears to hear. They have itching ears. And listen to what they want to do with those itching ears. They will heap up themselves teachers that will do what? And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. You know what a fable is? I looked it up. I looked it up. Uh, I, I looked it up and the, and the definition of what fabled it is is this. Something that is made up. Something that's made up. Just like you hear all the time. Oh, there's many ways to heaven. No, there's not. Jesus said, except a man come to me, except you believe and come to him, you can't get there. But let me tell you something. All these other ways, they don't even lead to heaven. The Buddhists don't believe. They believe in nirvana. That's not heaven. Uh, the Hindus believe in, in, in you're going to come back as a cockroach or something else and you, when, you, when you come back a, a, in a better life or whatever. All those things. That's not heaven. Listen, heaven is where my mom and daddy is. Heaven is where my grandparents are. 
And when I go to heaven one of these days, I'm going to be able to hug and hold them. Is what the Bible teaches me. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to some place like Nirvana or whatever. I wouldn't fit in there if I did go. Amen? They would think I'm a nut. So, you know, so, so, so listen to this. So, so it just tells me that. So where are we today? We're today, verse 3 tells, the time will come when they won't endure sound doctrine. This is that time. When I read something, let, let me give you, a, 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 like the newspaper, let me give you a video replay of what's going on today. Go to Romans chapter 1, verse 24 and, and through 25. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. And the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the cre creature rather than the creator who blessed forever. Amen. Look what 26 says. It says, for this reason, God then gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature, verse 27. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their of their of their error um, of their error which was which was due verse twenty eight verse twenty eight says and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge God gave them over to a debased mind what are what's a debased mind they can't tell between right and wrong debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And, and then go on to verse 32 here. Look at, who knowing the righteous judgments of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but also approve to those who practice them. What does that mean? It means simply this. If you do read it in the New Living Translation, it says, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them. So what do we do, man? You look around, you see all this stuff. Well, I, I think about Isaiah and King Uzzah was a king, good king. He was a righteous king. And, and Isaiah depended on him. All of a sudden, the Bible says that King Uzzah died. The Bible says in Isaiah 6, 1, it says, In the year that King Uzzah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, his train rolled filled to the temple. Listen, as you see all these things happening in the world today, is God upset? Nope. He's not upset. Well, Lord, but here they come. Here comes the Russians. Here comes the, the Turks. Here comes the, here comes the Iranians. Is he upset? No. He's not upset. Uh, why? Because he's sitting high upon his throne. He knows he's in absolute control. What am I going to be? Just be faithful. Now, listen to what it also says in 2 Peter. And I'm about ready to take my seat. 2 Peter 3, 3, 4. Listen to this. Knowing this first. That scoffers will come in the last days. And here's what they're going to say. Well, yeah, but it's, I guarantee somebody will listen to this and they'll say, Ah, they've been saying that forever. He's just a phony baloney. Uh, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, what they want more than what God wants. Verse 4, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were at the beginning of creation. No, they don't. They don't continue on as they are. There's too many signs, too many things happening all around us that show that Jesus is getting getting ready getting ready to come. And so he's saying, where is the promise of his coming? So what do we do? Look or, look around and throw our hands up and and just sit down and do nothing. Here's what I believe that we are to to do. And and let's make it simple. I'm going to make it very simple. Here's what are we to do in these last days? I believe this with all my heart. Number 1, Luke 12:40. It says, "Therefore you also be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour you do not expect." First thing is this, be ready. 
Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you secure in your salvation? Do you know that you're His and that you're going to heaven? Do you know that? The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, These things have been written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God in order that you might know you have, you, have, you have eternal life. Do you know that for sure? If you do, praise God. So then be ready. Be looking for Him. Every morning you get out of the bed, you look out the window. The first thing you all say is, This is the day the Lord will come. Because you know what? When you start living your life like Jesus could be here any minute, it changes your life. And when you believe that the Lord could be in your moment, man, you don't do certain things that you thought you might do. You'll do other things that you need to do. Luke 12, 35 and 36 says, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, 36, and you, you yourself be like men who wait for their masters when he will return from a wedding, that he comes and knocks and they may open to him immediately. But not only that, but the Lord tells us that when we live our life with expectation of his coming, we're blessed. Listen what uh, Luke 12, verse 37 said, Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. So what's the first thing we're to do in this time? Be ready. We're living in that time that Jesus is coming. Be ready. Here's the second thing. John 9, 4. He says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Luke 12, 42 and 43. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful wise servant, Stuart, whom the master will make ruler of his household to give them their portion of the food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Or in other words, the Lord wants us to be working and to be about his business. Somebody, some people would maybe say, well, let's just sit down. That's not what the Lord says for us to be doing. To be out of his business. How are you, how, what, what's your ministry in this church? What are you doing in this church? Uh, do you just come on Sundays and that's it? And, and, I, and, and let me just say this to you. I appreciate the fact that you're coming. I mean, it means everything. I look out here. I had somebody uh, text me. Well, i tell you who it was. It was the Kilbys. And they text me and, and, uh, this past week and said, I forgot to tell you, we're going to be out of town two weeks. So, and then they said this, we don't want you looking for us when you're not here. Do you know I look for you when you're not here? I look in the seats and I know where you sat. And I look for you when you're here. That's how much I care about you. That's how much I want you here. But I want you here because, and so don't, so don't take it like, well, you say you're saying I don't do anything in the church. No, I'm not saying it all. I'm, I'm thrilled to death you're here. But I want you to be fulfilled. And so what's your ministry in the church? We need people to, in all kinds of different areas. We need people to do things. And, and when that happens, man, what, make this your church. Listen to me. God sent me here. Okay? God sent me here. He not only sent me here, he made me the principal of this place 15 years before. Somebody told me not long, you're going to die in that place. No, I'm going to get out of here before that happens. God sent me here. He called me and he sent me here. What's happening even here today is not a mistake. It's not an accident. It happened because this was God's plan. Now let me say this to you. Now listen to me. You're here today because what? God sent you here. We got people that think they're consumers in the church today. In other words, they feel like they're either shopping at Walmart when they could go to Rule King and get a better deal. 
And so they come to church, and they look here and say, well, what kind of youth group do they got? What do we got? Well, I got all this. Well, you know, so, no, listen, you ought to be here after so long, and you ought to come to the place and say, I'm here because God sent me here. And he not only sent me here, but he also did this. He gave me spiritual gifts, and he said, listen, I want you to use your gifts in this congregation, whatever they are. Amen? Now, if we could come to that agreement and we all could come to the place that we believe that God didn't make an accident, he just didn't, this just didn't happen because we want to have a church. or That's not it at all. God's in all this. If we could do that and really come together as a congregation, what is it that we could accomplish if we did that? You're not here by accident. God sent you here. Now get busy. Get her done. That's right. So, you know, so in other words, the Lord wants us to be working and to be about his business. You know, so no, the Lord is the Lord is coming. And the conditions that he told us that would be of the church and the world are the conditions that you and I see right now. And one of those verses I read, we need to work while there's still day before the night comes. You know? God says, I know, I told you all these kind of things would happen. I'm coming. Do you hear? Do you have ears to hear? Don't lose hope. Don't give up. Jesus is coming. In the meantime, let your light shine. I hope you read the bulletin today. My pastor's corner. Because God didn't tell you, you gotta ever, if, if Christ has come into your life, there's a light shining in you. And he does not want you to take that light and put it under a bushel. Now, what does that mean? Let me tell you where the bushel is. Now, I know I'm over. Let me tell you where the bushel is. You know where the bushel is? The church. God didn't call you to minister in here. He called you to minister out there. I can't reach those people you work with. I can't reach those students that you're around. I can't reach all the places you go eat, play, wherever it is. You know, there's a guy that writes for the Lexington Herald, uh, Paul Prather. I don't know Paul very well, but I knew his daddy really well. And I remember when God healed his daddy of cancer, when they told him he was going to die, and, and showed him the, photo, uh, the x-rays and everything. And, and I remember how God healed him. And from that point on, Paul just went nuts. Well, what would you do if they told you you were going you know, to die, and, and all of a sudden you found out that God had touched and healed you, whatever? But I went to see him before he died. He, he's been dead probably two or three years, something like that. I don't know. But I went to see him, and we went out and had lunch. And he was no longer pastoring. But let me tell you what he told me. Here's what he said to me. He said, Lee, you know what I'm doing right now? He said, we went to eat a little place, a little burger place or something like that. He said, this is my ministry right here. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I go to all these fast food places. He said, because all these kids are here. And you know what they don't do? They don't go to church. Because a lot of them have to work on Sunday. So I go in here and I talk to them about the Lord. So that's my ministry right now. You see what I'm saying? I'm saying to where God, you know, it's like God looks at Moses and says, Moses, Moses, I can't do that. I can't go to Egypt. He says, what's that in your hand? God's asking you that same question. That he's saying, what's in your hand? What, it did, what ability, whatever you have in your hand? You know, I, man, 
I just feel like this sermon's not over with for some reason. I know it is. I know it. Don't get excited. Don't somebody, don't make your, that, that heart, no, I know. Yeah, it's easy for you to say. You ought to meet me at the door. That's like, that's, that's, that's like an airline pilot one time I heard said that one of the worst things he hates is when he has a rough landing standing at the back door or standing at the door when everybody, they make him stand there when everybody gets off. He says, rough landing. So I get all kinds of comments. He said, I stood there, we had a real rough landing one time and, and said, we're coming out, all these people are coming out the door and they're coming out the door and said, nobody said a word. And I said, man, I'm going to get, so finally this little old lady came down through there. She said, tell me something, Sonny. I said, did we land or were we shot down? Which was it, you know? <laughs> and, and, and so... You know, uh, <laughs> so, and, and that's it. So I don't want to shoot you down. I want us to land this thing. I really do. But here's what I want, I want to tell you. God's got, oh man, we got to get busy, church. Hear me? We got to get busy. The Lord wants us to be an active body in Winchester. Winchester's got more problems and Van Camp's got pork and beef. They just, they just voted more liquor in on Sunday. Well, one, 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 and, they, and what do we do for entertainment? We got to bring in cross-dressers to come in down here to Leeds Theater. Give me a break. I don't, that don't come at you. That's not entertainment for me. I don't know. Seeing some, well, I won't go on. Don't go, don't, don't go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, what am I saying? Boy, how we ought today just come to a place and, and surrender to the Lord. Salvation is dying to Jesus. Jesus has called us, everyone, to die. What is it you're not dying to? Do you need to give it to Him today? Do you need to say, Lord, I'm, I'm not just going to be one that comes to church and just sits here. Lord, I, I want you to speak to me and, and show me what you want me to do. Help me, Lord, to be about your business. So we're going to have a verse of invitation. And I hope and pray that there are people up here today that the Holy Spirit has 